Well, grace to you all in peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus and in the power of our Holy Spirit. Amen. So, grace. Grace upon grace, our theme for today. In the book of Hebrews, a New Testament book, the 12th chapter, it says this, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And then from John 1, we've said it and heard it several times now, from Jesus' fullness we all have received grace upon grace. That word grace. It seems as though God answers the mess of life with this one word, grace. Grace, it's a huge concept. We often talk like we kind of understand that term. We use it out in the world, grace. Maybe the bank gives a grace period. Or sometimes people fall from grace when they mess up. Or musicians talk about a grace note. Or... Maybe we describe an actress as gracious or a dancer as graceful. Many times before our meals, we have the pre-meal prayer and we call that grace. Grace is sometimes a name that we call our friends or our family. We talk as though we know what grace means. Even here in the church, Grace, grace's songs we sing and Bible verses that we read. Grace kind of seems to have cousins like forgiveness and faith and mercy. But do we really understand it? Do we really understand what grace is? I tend to think that sometimes the grace that we've settled for is kind of a wimpy grace. A grace that never causes trouble. A grace that doesn't demand a response. If you think about Jesus' stories, it seems as though every time he encountered someone and, they off, and he offered them grace, he was getting in trouble from somebody. As though someone else was trying to hold them accountable. So how has grace shaped you? Have you been changed by grace? Strengthened by grace? Emboldened by grace? Softened by grace? I believe that grace comes after us and it rewires us from being insecure to become God-secure. Grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to do it. Before we can even begin to comprehend what grace is, we need to know where we are and why we need it. And so we talk about that we are not perfect ever. And there are a multitude of ways to explain our inability of not being perfect. We talk about being sinners. We talk about being broken. We talk about how we can't help but put ourselves first and others, well, we put them after us. But no matter how we explain it, we can't earn our salvation. 
We can't do enough to merit our own forgiveness of sins, to win our own freedom from death and the power of the devil. God knows this because God knows us. And God is not interested in letting us stay caught in that self-centered pain and sinful separation that we experience. God is so absolutely dedicated to staying in relationship with you and me that salvation, forgiveness, and freedom, even though we can't earn them, it's not like they're, they're held over our heads like a carrot that just out of our reach, but God freely gives this, unmerited and unearned. This is why what we call grace Grace is what we can't earn or gain ourselves. It's a gift that's given. But grace changes us. And so we can maybe talk about how God comes to us like a heart surgeon, cracking us open and removing that poisoned, hardened, pain-riddled heart that we have and replacing it with a brand new heart. And rather than God simply yelling or shaking a finger or telling us, you better change, God is the one who creates change in us. How often do we believe that somehow we got to get our act together and clean up so that God can accept us? But the truth is, is that God accepts you and begins to clean you up before you can make that choice. Because ultimately, God's dream is not to get you into heaven. It's to get heaven in you. To get God's reign and God's kingdom in you. And so as we gather together, we might be thinking of someone that we can't forgive. We might be thinking that the weight of tomorrow or the next day might be so much that we don't know if we can face it. Or maybe we have a past that you can't quite let go of and you keep beating yourself up over it. But today, remember, Christ can forgive that. That our Jesus is on the move, moving us from graceless into a grace-shaped life. To be saved by grace is to be saved by Jesus. This is not just an idea. It's not a doctrine. It's not a creed. It's not even church membership. It is Jesus. And grace is the very thing that continues to pursue us. So grace is free. You can't earn it. You can't get more if you work harder. You can't get less if you mess up. It doesn't have strings attached. And like Pastor Vicky said, grace is kind of like that gift that you get at Christmas or birthdays. It's given to the receiver because the giver loves you, not because you deserve it. 
So grace means that we don't have to worry about working our way up to God or earning spiritual points to get son some kind of religious leaderboard. God has done all that work through our Savior, His Son, Jesus. And we can trust God's gracious gifts of salvation and freedom and forgiveness and the relationship that God creates. But the problem is this. The world in which we live in, there is very seldom a grace that is free. And so, we don't believe that God's grace can be free. There must be something that we can do. And what we end up doing is, is, is kind of like what, what uh, Boy Scouts have. A long time ago, they had, they had sashes and they have merit badges. And you go out and you, you, know, you do some, some great thing and you prove that you can do it and then you get a little badge. And you've proved that you can do a merit and then you can wear this around and show everybody how merited you are. And we do the same thing in church. Haven't missed a Sunday school class in 50 years. <gasps> Check that one. I've been here twice this month in worship. Come on, God, that's got to be worth something, right? I've served on every committee there is at the church. I've done every one of them at least once. That's worth something, right, God? Because, see, we buy into this, this whole realm that uh, good scouts move up. So, good people who have good merits, they go to heaven. But the problem is, how good do you have to be to get the right merit? How honest do you have to be? 90%, 70%? How much is enough prayer? How much is enough worship? How much is enough service? You see, God has a better idea, and we heard it in the first lesson we read. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's a gift. Our merits don't count. We contribute nothing. Salvation is unearned. God's work merits everything. But now to accept the grace is to accept that we need to now take that grace and to share it. We can do that. But then another side of us says, well, what if God's grace is so free and I'll never be perfect, why try? Why not just do what I want, trust that God will cover the rest and I don't even have to do it? Is it, that's what the late Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. Living in your world and doing the things you want, expecting God to just take care of it. God's grace does cover the rest. We can always trust that. Every time we fall short, every time we miss the mark, we need not fear that God's love might be lost. What the point is, is that if we've truly received the gift, 
we can't help but be changed and want to share that gift with others. You see, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does need them, said Martin Luther. Our neighbor needs our practice of kindness, our practice of mercy, our practice of care. We work toward goodness, not because it might save our own souls, but in order to care for the hearts and minds and souls of those around us. Because on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, as he met with his disciples in the upper room, all that night, no one was willing to humble themselves and take that pitcher of water and wash the feet. But Jesus did. He washed all the disciples' feet. He washed them as a reminder for us today that we need to be washed as well. But today, as Jesus washes us with His living Word and with the sacrament of Holy Communion and remembering our baptism, Jesus takes the towel and hands it to you and says, now you go and wash. Why don't you walk across the room and wash Judas's feet? Who is the Judas in your life? Who needs grace and mercy and forgiveness and love? Today, let the hands of God wipe every dirty part of your life. Dishonesty, angry outbursts, your stubbornness, your judgment. Let God touch all of it. Grace is God working through the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Grace isn't free because it's worthless. It's free because it's priceless. And grace is maybe the box that holds the promises, the motivation behind God's gift of new life every day through grace, salvation every day through grace, forgiveness of sins every day through grace, freedom from death and the power of evil every day by the grace of God. You see, you are wildly and radically loved. And you are given salvation and freedom and forgiveness because our God is on a mission to spread grace all around the world. And we're invited to be a part of that holy cause. You're invited to take the towel and go and wash. But as we think about grace, maybe we need to think about what other people have said about grace. Anne Lamont said, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. Augustine said, For grace is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do good works. And Karl Barth said, Grace must find expression in life, otherwise it is not grace. And Lewis Smead said, Grace is the gift of feeling secure that our future, even our dying, is going to turn out more splendidly than we dare imagine. Earlier today, at our nine o'clock worship, we witnessed the baptisms of Christian and Colin McLean. Little children coming to the waters of baptism, brothers, 
Daniel Erlander writes in a book called Let the Children Come about baptism. He writes, an infant has served on no committees, has done no great work, is helpless, needy, dependent, and unemployed. In fact, an infant brought to the waters for baptism is a sign of how we all come to God with nothing, absolutely nothing. And so today we come. Not holding all of our merits and all of our badges and all the things we think we've accomplished. But we simply come with open hands to receive once again our Jesus. Where we receive grace upon grace. And then we go to be grace upon grace to those around us this week. Thanks be to God. Amen.